Hey guys, it's Leila. Hi, it's Nico. Welcome to Films at the Table. A podcast in which we discuss and deconstruct a classic film while cooking and eating dishes related to the film. Today we're going to talk about Little Women, one of my favourite films, um, the 2019 version, based on Louisa May Alcott's book from 1868. It's directed by Greta Gerwig, uh, who is the same director as Lady Bird, another film that we have loved uh, very much. And as usual, we will accompany the discussion of the film with cooking. Today, we have lifted the recipe out of the final scene of the movie, and there's a little bit of a spoiler here. That's when Marmee celebrates her birthday, I believe her 60th birthday, Together with her husband, there are three remaining daughters, the sons-in-law, the grandchildren, and all the children of the new school established by Joe. So now we're going to talk about why the film is so enjoyable, why we like it. Well, it's it's a masterpiece in many respects, so it's very difficult to untangle which are the aspects uh, that make it so beautiful and engaging. It's all connected like in any other great film. But I think we could start from the casting, you know, the sisters and the mm-hmm. uh, secondary characters are all well cast, in, in particular Jo, uh, um, what's her name exactly, how do you pronounce it? Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan, yes, she's, she's amazing, <laughs> and we also saw in Lady Bird and other great films. And I would also uh, pick Marmy, you know, the mother with Laura Dern among the group. She also got an Oscar, I think, from this from this role, but uh, and and but the whole the whole ensemble is, is amazing. Another thing that I like is that the film is very balanced in the sense that it, it is faithful to the spirit of the novel, it's very accurate historically, but also feels modern, you know, feels very dynamic. We can relate to the film, it talks about struggles of young people, well in this case young women growing up in a way I think the audience can relate to, I guess in particular the female audience, but also for me it was really, really uh, enjoyable. Yes, it's a very comforting film for me. I hadn't read the book fully before, so I wasn't like a fan of the story, but now I really, I love it now. It's The film was, it's definitely one of my favourite movies. Um, I also love the colour palette of the movie. Everything is so warm and it feels almost nostalgic. It's, it's really nice. Let's talk about one of the first scenes that we liked. The scene in which um, Joe and her sister Meg, Meg go at the ball. Um, and it's um, one evening they are spending together and they are all you know, really nicely dressed. Uh, and this is the first time we meet to a central character the story, which is Laurie. Sorry, I didn't know anyone was here. Not at all. So stay if you, if you like. I want to serve you. No, I don't know many people here. I felt rather strange at first. Mm, you know? So do I. <laughs> Miss March, isn't it? Yes, Mr. Lawrence, but I'm not Miss March. I'm only Joe. And I'm not Mr. Lawrence. I'm only Laurie. What, what happens? Yes, so Joe meets him when she goes off to kind of be on her own because... I think her character feels quite left out in a room full of all these 
proper young um, ladies and gentlemen, while she's much more of like a wild um, character. And her sisters told her she can't dance because she's scorched her dress. So she decides to go off in her room by herself. And there she meets Laurie, who's also done the same thing. And they kind of, they get on well straight away because of this similarity on of how they're slightly different from the normal group of people around them who all want to be very formal and proper. Yes, I find this connection in being sort of two misfits uh, in this kind of more traditional mm-hmm. kind of bourgeois society of that time. And you can see the connection kind of sparkling immediately, you know, in between them. And it's and it's the beginning of this kind of friendship slash love relationship that will be kind of the backbone of the story for most of the film. Yes, I think one of the best parts of the scene is when they dance on the porch. Um, as the people inside are obviously doing the classical kind of ball dancing, but they're they're very wild and being very silly, just dancing around, having fun outside where no one can see them, but they can still see inside the people dancing. So it's it's a very nice scene because you follow them along the porch which wraps around the house and you can see through the occasional windows like the formal party that's going on versus them kind of going crazy on their own. And you can see their joy, you know, being together and yes. be, being really creative uh, in, in dancing and just feeling apart but also connected. It's really a beautiful scene. Apart from the rest of the kind of guests in the mm. in the party. And then the, the this scene continues with Meg Joe and Lori are uh, going back uh, to the oh to, to their home. I don't see what you can do except get a carriage or stay here. Carriages right. are too expensive. Well, let me take you. It's right next door. Oh no, thank you. We cannot accept. You must take mine, please. No, it's so early. You can't mean to leave yet. I always leave early. I do, truly. What choice do you have? Hmm? Yes, and even though they've only been together for maybe like a couple of hours, you can see that the. Joe is really comfortable around Laurie and Laurie admires their household. As he walks in, we kind of see their house through his eyes. Yes, um, obviously we know that Laurie is, is a very wealthy individual, but and he, and he goes into this more kind of modest uh, household. But the, the fascination about this household this is, is full of this women and you know young women and it's a family it's a very close-knit family there you know there is this uh, um, harmony uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, between the sisters and the, and the mom um, and um, we can see how one can be really fascinated to enter that environment and we can see the the, the effect on on lori who from then on will become involved with the with the story of this family yes i think one of the scenes which are really more interesting for me uh, is the one of in which beth is sick uh, uh, she's ill twice in fact and the interesting thing is how the movie goes 
back and forth in time, yes. showing the two instances in which Beth was sick. And unfortunately, in one of them, eventually, uh, she will die. It's a very moving scene, but it's, it's so cleverly done. It's really interesting to see the small hints that show one is in the past and one is in the present. So the director uses some really clever devices, I mean narrative devices, uh, to differentiate between the past and, and present. At a certain point uh, during the narrative, Joe decided to sell, to sell her hair uh, so that her mother can travel to Washington to meet uh, the father who has been away in war. Yes. Uh, and she sells her hair to, to give her cash to her mom. And crucially, when her mom is away, uh, Beth will get scarlet fever. Yeah. And uh, Joe, who already has scarlet fever, will tend for her in the absence of her mother. Yes, and she gets this from the poor family that she's been going to constantly, who, live, who lived near them. And later on, we can assume that Beth is being really weakened by this experience, although she, we, we don't see that she survives it, because uh, later on, she gets sick again, and this time it's tuberculosis. Uh, and so we see in the movie the time in which Joe, with short hair, is standing for her sister in the past with scarlet fever, and then the time in the present in which she's doing the same, but this time, the, the, you know, without, without a happy ending. And she has long hair, which and, makes it... Yes, yes. You can understand the difference. Um, also, so the first time Joe is still technically a child, while in the second time she's off being a writer and she hasn't been at her home she's been living in new york so she didn't get to see beth that much the it's really good that they show it kind of back and forth because they show the first the first sickness and beth survives and then they do the same scene but beth yes. isn't there and that's really heartbreaking because you kind of Expect it because you already saw it. Mommy? 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 Yeah, the parallel montage is really, really moving and also creates a lot of tension to the scene. And eventually ends with this double scene, which is very... Both of the scenes are very similar to each other, but with slightly different outcome. In the first scene that happens in the past, Joe uh, wakes up after having been exhausted uh, taking care of Beth and you know, she, she falls asleep and then in the morning wakes up and see that Beth is not in her bed and rushes downstairs to the kitchen and and she sees her mother and behind her mother we see that Beth is at the table and she's having breakfast. Yes. But then fast forward seven, uh, years, seven years later 
Joe again wakes up uh, after having, you know, being with her sister all night. Her sister is not in the bed and she rushes through the stairs and her mother is alone. Yes, and it's so yeah. sad. And I think... I feel very moved now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's especially sad because Beth... Like, there was no reason for her to die. She was the kindest character. And they all feel that also. She was, like, the least deserving to die. Of course, none of them deserved to die. But she was, like, always so good. So. Yes. I mean, it's a clever film technique. But also, at the human psychological level, it's, you know, it's our human experience to have past and present like in, interwoven together into our head so it reflects mm -hmm. a bit how we also think about our experience in life you know when the present is always linked to something that happened in the past or not often always but often yes we talk about the relationship between joe and beth let's talk also about the relationship with the other sisters yes so i think one of the main relationships that has more conflicts, let's say, is between Joe and Amy. They're very different. Joe, they're very different, but Amy still always looked up to Joe and always wanted to do what Joe was doing, but never really told her that. And Joe saw her more as just an annoying little sister. Mm -hmm. And also... But what are the, the... How are their personalities different? Well, Joe, we know, is um, like a tomboy. She kind of wants to do things independently. And Amy, I think, being the youngest also, is kind of an attention seeker. And she always wants to be like more older and stuff but also she's portrayed as the one a bit more materialistic right did she yes, she wants I to guess. marry well you know she wants to marry someone with money which joe doesn't but i don't want to do i mean she doesn't want to marry at all in fact joe that's true but amy kind of she doesn't want to marry well she feels the need to marry well yeah. which we can talk about later and obviously the whole feminist yes. idea in the film. So maybe she's more realist while Joe is more yes, of a dreamer. Yes, I think so. I've always known I would marry Rich. Why should I be ashamed of that? There's nothing to be ashamed of, as long as you love him. Well, I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money. Not enough to earn a living or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. They would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. And... So when they were younger, Amy always wanted to do what Joe was doing. But then, kind of ironically, when they were older, 
she almost took away things that Joe would have done. At least that's how I saw it. Like, she went on the trip to Europe with their Aunt March while while she promised it to Joe. And then, in the end, Amy goes with Laurie, even though that's, like, who Joe was meant to be with, but obviously not, so... So these are things that really increase the conflict between the two sisters. Yes. And you're right, I think the conflict between Amy and Joe is sort of a kind of backbone of, of the story, at least in the film. Yes, and Joe is, out of the four sisters, usually the one to get the most frustrated and stuff, but we see how she learns to control her anger and have patience with Amy, even when she does terrible things like burn her book, which was really heartbreaking for me. <laughs> but, um, yes, with the other sisters, I think... Then there's Meg. Yes, then there is Meg, who is not quite as important in the story, but still an interesting character. She's much more traditional. She yes. likes Romantic. being the woman, you know, while Joe really would prefer to be a man. Um she wants she hates being poor. That's kind of her problem. She it's not materialistic, but she also it feels sorry for herself. Yes. And I think the film shows that the relationship between Meg and Joe is also particularly uh, strong, but in a different way than the relationship between Joe and Beth, uh, because they, uh, they are very close in age as sisters, so they've been doing everything together, and, um, and Joe feels really torn apart when Meg decided to, to marry and have her own family. Yes, and... I think I remember in the book they kind of paired the sisters Joe and Beth were closer and Meg and Amy were closer and mm. we see that Meg tries to bring peace between Joe and Amy whenever they get in an argument so she feels much more like sympathy towards yeah. Amy than Joe does but despite the arguments the whole point of the story is how close the sisters are so yeah like the four sisters they do everything together we especially when they're children we can see all the things they do for fun like all the shows they put on all the little clubs yeah they're very strong female characters even beth in a way even though beth is not a strong character in the conventional sense and she's, she's shy but still you know she has her own ethics and moral and you know she's She's very um, uh, gifted, you know, because such, she's such a good pianist. Yeah. Um, so, the, the, and, and of course, the, the, the mother of Marmy is, is a very strong female character. Yes. So how, how do you think this film is a bit more kind of feminist than we usually see kind of in Hollywood movies, you know? Well, n- not only Hollywood movies, but this is set like in the 19th century where women would not be feminists that wasn't a thing so it's 
it's nice to see that all the female characters are strong, even though they wouldn't have been thought of as strong at the time. Well, of course, there was already some form of feminism at the time, mm -hmm. you know, although it was maybe of a different kind of co compared to what we later have in the 20th century. But Louisa May Alcott herself was someone quite uh, independent-minded as, as a woman and someone who was um, pushing already for women to have, you know, to have more rights. Yes, so, uh, I, I think, think I, you can see that. Yeah, you can see that in the characters uh, as well. We, of course, see the way that the, the sisters are oppressed in, the, in that society. For example, Joe being a writer is already a struggle for her throughout the film. To publish, yeah. Um, no one would take her seriously until she wrote, like, a happy romantic story and... The woman had to get married at the end. Like yeah, she really didn't want to be dead. <laughs> the woman if it, it needed to be dead or needs to get married yes. at the end or nobody would buy it. Yes, so and as we said before, Amy also faces this as she realizes that she has to marry well because none of her other sisters married well, so she she's the She's the hope of the family, yes. of their own say, in terms that she can bring that income for the family that uh, that other sisters are not are not bringing, uh, because uh, eventually also Joe would marry someone who doesn't have a penny. <laughs> yes, and I think that's also a scene that I really like when Amy talks about marriage to Laurie. Yes, because he kind of. Uh, it's a bit naive yes. about, about what marriage means. And she has to remind him that for women it can it is like I um, think she says it's it's an economic proposition. Yes. Yeah. So obviously female characters are protagonists in the film, uh, but Laurie is a quite prominent male character. What do you think about his character? I like him at the beginning. He's the fun neighbor, you know, he um very charismatic. Yes, yeah. and he he's quite interesting. He lives alone with his grandfather. They're very rich. He's the only other person that takes an interest in this, in these four sisters, and wants to be their friend. And he joins in, and they end up being very close. All of them like playing together and stuff. And of course, then he falls in love with Joe, and this is like the perfect couple that we're all <laughs> we're all rooting to. for. But yes. <laughs> then, when he proposes to Joe, she rejects him because she's completely against marriage and stuff. And I think after he gets rejected, he goes a bit downhill. Not because. I mean, probably, yes, probably we're supposed to dislike him after he's, like, going away from Joe. But he's, he also, he becomes a bit more reckless, Cynic. like, Cynic. yeah, yeah. Um, he's, like, drunk at a party when he sees Amy, and I, and it's, so by the end, he's 
he's a bit of an annoying character, especially when he marries Amy and there's that last scene or close to the ending when Friedrich comes mm. and he's still jealous even though he's married Amy yeah. like asking questions and stuff so then he turns out a bit annoying but overall I think he's a very good character yes and and it's obviously interpreted with a lot of uh, uh, charisma by Timothy Timothy Chalamet Timothy Chalamet uh, we, we like him very much we've seen him in other movies I think the the most the heartbreaking moment of their romance is when Joe realizes years later that she really does love him, and she makes the best speech. Uh, she confesses her love to him to her mother, and then like a couple minutes later, she finds out that he's married her sister. It's not really a couple of minutes later. If she writes a letter and and put the letter in the yes in shared, that shared uh, box. kind of inbox and then but the same day he and comes. then I think a little yeah maybe it's the same day and then she has to go and pick up the letter before he and reads then, it because he he has come back and he's married to Amy yeah. and she she throws the letter into the river I think yes it's so sad yeah <laughs> what is it I don't know. I've always been quite content with my family. Don't understand it. Perhaps, um, perhaps I was too quick in turning him down. Lori. Do you love it? If he asked me again, I think I would say yes. Do you think he'll ask me again? But do you love him? I care more to be loved. I want to be loved. That is not the same as loving. I know. You know, I just, I just feel, I just feel like women, they, they have minds and they have souls as well as just hearts and they've got ambition and they've got talent as well as just beauty and I'm so sick of people saying that that love is just all a woman is fit for I'm so sick of it but I'm I'm so lonely one last thing I wanted to mention that I really like in the movie is how Joe develops as a writer. Mm. We see her at the very beginning of of the movie entering a very kind of male dominated environment, you know, in a in a publishing house. Or I think it's a newspaper kind of um, office. And she tries to pitch her story uh, for for you know for to be published in the journal to this to this old man uh, with a lot of hesitation and uh, and she finally gets accepted, her story gets accepted but um, with a lot of changes and she's paid a uh, little money uh, but then by the end of 
and also the stories she writes are stories of um, fantasy, you know. Then, and, uh, and then, you know, and then she, 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 her talent develops in a way, no? Yes, but also stops at some point when a bit before Beth is sick. I don't remember yeah, when she exactly writing, she yeah. kind of hasn't written in a long time, and then. Beth dying inspires her to write again, and that's when yeah. she really works on her novel Little Women. Yes. So it's kind of a full circle there. Yes. Um, I think the book making of Little Women is very interesting, like seeing her writing everything out and laying it all on that the floor. That scene is so beautiful, I was going to mention. Yes. And then the final like print making yes. and sewing it all together, that's why it was very interesting. Yes, yes. I really love the scene in which she, a little bit after Beth dies, she starts writing something that she had initiated for Beth and she just doesn't stop. And, yes. and she, she takes over the room, uh, putting all the paper on the floor and she hardly sleeps or, or eats. Yeah. We, uh, we actually know that usually books are not written this way, but <laughs> I think it's really nice and romantic for the movie. And uh, yes, and as you said, you know, eventually she sees her book printed. Uh, she can see the whole process, which is also interesting for us to see the process of mm. printing the book from scratch in those times, uh, with you know also cutting the leather for the for the book jacket and so on. Book cover. Book cover, <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Um, so a lot of lot of points which I think are expressed in a very visually beautiful way. Yes. So we're taking a break now to move on to the food. We've decided to make Mami's birthday cake from the last scene when they go into the future. She has a vanilla chiffon cake, kind of like sponge cake, which is frosted with a meringue buttercream. Very simple, but I think it will be very delicious. So we have here on the table all the main ingredients that we need. Uh, eggs and sugar and flour, baking powder, skim milk, uh, vegetable oil and vanilla extract. All the um, doses are in the um, recipe that we are adding on the podcast. And uh, one thing to do uh, to start with is to separate all the eggs. So here there are seven in this recipe. Separate the yolk from the, uh, from the egg white. The first step was whisking the egg whites until it's nice and fluffy. And with that, the cream of tartar or the lemon juice. We use lemon. We're going to use lemon juice. And then you add half... A cup of granulated sugar. It the you the cake uses one and a half cups. Well, we start with just a half, and in a separate bowl you mix the rest of the sugar, flour, baking powder, and salt, and then in an also in a separate bowl or um, in your mixer if it comes with a bowl, you mix the oil, milk, and vanilla and almond extract. the end of our episode and now of course we're going to rate both the food 
and the film. Let's start with the food. So we made Mami's birthday cake, a vanilla sponge with a meringue cream frosting. Do you want to start? How would you write it? Well, it was amazing. I think uh, the the cake itself was, was very soft because there were I don't know why because I think the I think way it was we the, eggs. the way we treated there were many eggs. We separated them and and and, uh, and uh, used the mixer to you know to beat them up and they were very fluffy and somehow the you know the cake came to be really spongy and and yes. soft. It was really a pleasure to. It, yes. <laughs> but also to work with it and create the final cake. The the cream was a bit more challenging uh, because we had to make some adjustments. And I think eventually for the cream, we didn't really follow the recipe 100%. Well, we followed the recipe and then it ended up being too liquid. So to try to change that, we tried to add more sugar yeah. and some cream. But in the end, the, the texture was great. It was just a slightly too sweet, but it was I, sweet, I yes. thought it was still really good. Yes, and uh, so uh, yeah, put them and, and having them together was just it was really testing really really good. It was just a pleasure. I don't know how to say. So my I think my rating would be something like eight. Okay. I, I, I mean it's 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 a lot eight. Uh, and um, I mean, could have been better with I think more attention to the to the cream, um, but the shape of it was good, the taste of it was good, um, and I, I ate a lot of it already. <laughs> <laughs> what about yes. you? I I would give it I would give it an eight point five. Ooh, I think wow. it's it's. It's the perfect sponge cake. Like, if you want to make a sponge cake, make that cake. The cream, I thought, was still really good. And good enough to have, like, one and a half slices. After that, it becomes a bit sickly. But it, I, the only reason I wouldn't give it, like, a nine is because it, it's not anything amazing. It's just, like, a vanilla sponge cake. But for what it is, the simple cake... It was really good. The movie? The movie. Uh, shall I go first? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's really difficult because I I think I really liked the movie. I, I don't know how much I liked it. I probably would say nine and a half. Okay. okay? And because it's really uh, fascinating. Uh, how you know the script has been transformed by the director, uh, all the attention to all the details, all the way the scenes were constructed, the structure, the acting, the yes. music. We have talked about the music, but it's also very um, beautiful. I, I think it's one of the film, one of those films that kind of feel like a classic immediately. And by classic, I mean a film that everybody likes, whether you are just um, somebody not particularly interested in film or you can be a film critic the whole spectrum i think are really absorbed by the movie i think i'd have to give it a 10. Wow. there's it, there's just no reason not to it's not i'm not saying 10 as in the best movie i've ever seen or it left me shocked but it's a movie that i could watch every year it's a comfort movie i don't see anything wrong with it Maybe if I read the book, then I might not like how it's slightly different. But I thought 
it was great. So I think, in yeah. fact, I have the suspicion the story might have been improved in the film, you know, in terms of how, it, how it's told. <laughs> I don't think we can say that. We can't say we that because we're not experts about the book. Anyway, thanks for listening. Yes. Uh, it really, was really fun to talk about this film and to eat the cake. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you We'll see next you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What? Why are you all looking at me like that? What a wonderful man. I, I hope he comes back. He would make a terrific friend for me. Oh, Father, he wasn't here for you. No. Joe, you love him. What? No, no, I don't. Yes, you do. I am half as smart as you, but I can see it so plainly. You love him. Doesn't she love him? It's a good instinct. You love him. I have never seen you so happy. What else is love? You need to go after him.